I'm going to start in a very familiar portion of scripture this morning. It's in the book of Luke. So if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Luke. It's going to be chapter 15. Man, the presence of the Lord is so thick in this room. My legs are shaking. We're going to begin reading in verse 17. Now, let me go ahead and catch you up. So the prodigal son, very familiar portion of scripture, the prodigal son at this point has said, you know what, dad, give me my money. I got to go. So he goes, he does his thing. He's partying it up right up until the point where he's like lost all his money. There's a famine in the land. So he gets a job tending to some pigs. So lowly. He's hungry. Probably not making enough to eat in rags, filthy, nasty, disgusting. So we pick it up in verse 17, and it says, but when he came to himself, I love that, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I had tears in my eyes, and I can't read. (laughs) Against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Father, we thank you, dear God. We thank you for your love toward us. We thank you, my Lord God, because we don't understand it, dear Lord God, but we are so, so grateful for it. Father, in these next few moments, dear God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, dear God, make us sensitive to your word, dear God. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Grant us repentance, dear Lord God. We want to hear from your spirit. We want to respond in obedience, dear God. Speak to us this morning. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you need an outline... Raise your hand, and the ushers will come by and hook you up with an outline.
So, I'm not Bishop. Yeah. If you came to see Bishop, I'm sorry. You got me today. During the season of Lent, because we're in Lent, right? During the season of Lent, I began thinking more about repentance. I don't know about you guys, but after that, um, if you guys were able to attend the, uh, the Ash Wednesday service, man, what a powerful, powerful time uh, in the Lord. And that just, I'm telling you, I've been rocked ever since. So I was talking with Bishop, and we were talking about repentance versus penance, this idea of penance. I became curious and decided to do some digging because that's what you do, right? When you find like something that you don't know, you, you start to dig either that or you forget about it and you're like, whatever. Most of us have learned that repentance has to do with turning away, right? And I'm in your outline so you can follow along. So most of us have learned that repentance has to do with turning away. In the context of church, it has to do with turning away from sin and toward God, right? You don't just stop going this way. You I'm going that when you turn toward God. Penance is the act of voluntarily punishing yourself as an outward sign of repentance for having done wrong. I'm like, hmm. I began to ask myself, should I punish myself to show how repentant I am? I mean, it kind of made sense to me. Is penance just like the next step in showing how sorry I am for what I've done? I don't know. Is that what I should do? All good questions, all questions that I had, and I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know. So my first point is repentance. Say it with me, repentance. Very good, very good. So in verse 17, it says, when, but when he came to himself. You ever have a light bulb moment? You ever have a moment where you're like, what am I doing? I, have a light, I had a light bulb moment one time. So I, w- I thought that I wanted to be an electrical engineer, right? Because I saw the salary and I was like, I want to be an electrical engineer. <laughs> Such conviction. So I started taking these classes, right? And I was like, all right. I started drowning in these classes. But I was like, you know what? I saw like, man, I'm going to make this much money so it's, it'll be worth it. It'll be great. Can I just tell you how I was sitting there breadboarding a circuit, right? So it's like a little thing like this, and you're, you know, with, with resistors and all that stuff, you're trying to go ahead and make a light bulb at the end of the thing light up. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> what does this have to do with that salary? I don't know, but I just wanted to get through it. But I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and, and I had a moment. I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> I legit hate this. I'm looking around and I'm like, man, does anybody else hate this? No takers. Nobody raised their hand. I'm like, you know what? I got clarity. This is not for me. So I went to my counselor's office. I said, hey, listen, I realized something today. She's like, what? I hate this career path. I don't want to do this. She's like, okay. Let's figure out something else. I had a moment. I had an aha moment. And we see the prodigal son have an aha moment. Looks at himself, he's like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Filthy, disgusting, why? I've been an idiot. 
It's time for a change. It's crazy because realizing your current state is a work of the Holy Spirit. We see the work of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment according to John 16. It is by the Holy Spirit that we come to realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. So repentance unto salvation is a supernatural work. You hear me? It is supernatural. A miracle happened in your life. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are a miracle. You are a work of the Holy Spirit. So when you think about those that you've been praying about, that you've been talking to, you've been sharing the gospel with, I want you to be encouraged, my brother, my sisters. I want you to be encouraged. I do not want you to grow weary in your standing in the gap on their behalf. The Holy Spirit will do the work. That takes the pressure off of you. The Holy Spirit will do the work. Some may say, well... I've already repented of my sin and accepted Christ's sacrifice as payment for my sin, past, present, and future. I'm saved by faith, right? Well, we are saved by faith. No need to continue to repent. Hmm. It's interesting. Now, while this is true, repentance into salvation happens once. But, when, but we are afterwards told to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. What is this working out but the purging of sinful habits to align more fully with the character of our Lord Jesus Christ? When you first came to Jesus, you were a mess. I got one, that's right. (laughs) When we first came to Christ, we were a mess. Am I right? You remember... You remember. You might want to forget, right? Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Yeah, because I was terrible. I was horrible. God called me out. It's crazy because I, I love the slogan from the Marines, right? Now, let me tell you, I, I never wanted to serve in the Marines because I knew people that served in the Marines, and I'm like, I'm just not that tough. I'm not. I'm going to live a civilian life. If anything, I joined the Air Force. I'm sorry, guys. Those of you that served in the Air Force, my bad. But they got a reputation. They got a reputation. But the Marine slogan, one of their slogans is, pain is weakness leaving the body. I love that. I guess I got a lot of weakness leaving me the older that I get because I got more pains than I've had my whole life. But it's crazy, right? Because when you sign the paper, you're a Marine, right? But not really. I mean, you, you know, you're a Marine, yes, absolutely, 100%. But once you sign up, that's when the work starts, right? That's when you got to go to basic training. Then you really find out what you signed up for, and you're like, wow, what is this? And this, you know what? You subject yourself, right, to pain, right, weakness, leaving your body. It's crazy. 
when the Spirit reveals things to your heart and brings sin to light, we can either repent or we can continue to live in those practices. It's continual work, right? As we are working out our salvation in fear and in trembling, things start to bubble up, and it's like, oh, that didn't look like Jesus. Ooh, that's not, that's definitely not Jesus. We have a choice, right? We can either continue in that, or we can repent. We can come to ourselves and be like, wait a minute, hold on. That don't align. But I know when you guys hear the Spirit, right, and He reveals those things, you guys are quick to repent, right? Because y'all are Christian, good Christians. Good Christians. <laughs> God has called us to be a holy nation, His own special people, a royal priesthood, according to 1 Peter, right? That's who we are called to be. That takes repentance. It takes turning away from your old way of living and committing to living as he wants us to live. This is what he wants us to live for. And it's amazing. Let me tell you, being a Christian is really hard, but it's so rewarding, right? Like, man, you see people's lives being changed. You know, you get yelled at sometimes for just asking people, hey, can I pray for you? How dare you? Okay, all right, I'll pray for you silently. So there. It takes repentance, turning away from your old ways and committing to living as he wants us to live. Now, we being earthly parents, right, we discipline or correct our children, right? We instruct them in the way that they should go. Why? Because they're little heathens. They need us to correct them and to show them the way that they should go. Why? Because we want them to grow up and be productive citizens. We don't want them getting in trouble with the law. We don't want bad things to happen to them. We want to make sure that, you know, if they were born with 10 fingers and 10 toes, that they leave this world with the same number of fingers and toes. We want to make sure, right? So we discipline them. And they're jumping off the bed. We're like, get over here. I mean, come on, son. Because <laughs> we're gentle, right? Christian parents. <laughs> the author of Hebrews in the 12th chapter bears to light this very truth. Our God is, is a committed father who disciplines us when we fail to repent of our sin or the sin in our lives. He wants the very best for us, the very best. That might not align with your very best. Just FYI, just throwing it out there. Like, sometimes the Lord puts you through things or disciplines you, and you're like, Lord, this doesn't feel good. Or, Lord, I didn't plan it this way. Sometimes you got to submit, right? Sometimes you got to say, all right, all right, Lord, your ways are higher than my ways. I don't understand it, but I trust you, and I will obey you. Now, when we don't, what does he do? He disciplines us, right? Is it because he hates us? Because he loves us. 
You don't tell your kids or drag your kids, you know, from, from running out in the street. You don't grab them and, and bring them back because you hate them. You grab them, you bring them back because you love them. You're committed to their safety. You're committed to raising them up so that they're wise, so that they don't, they don't make the same mistakes that we have made, right? You want better for your kids. And we're earthly parents, right? We don't get it right. We're not perfect, but we do our best. I mean, I know I do. Sometimes my kids don't listen. Got to bring out the rod of correction. <laughs> like taking away the switch privileges. What are y'all thinking? Thinking over there. What's going on in the Banyos household? <laughs> so God disciplines us so that we would turn not to hurt us, but so that we would turn from that which does not benefit us and will not bring us closer to Him. He wants us close, right? He wants us close to Him. Once we have put our faith and trust in Christ's finished work, we enter into the sanctification process, right? Brought in, now he cleans us up, makes us look more like him. He's brought us in, he's brought us back, right? I don't know about you, but I am, I am so grateful. I am so grateful. I mean, in worship this morning, I was reminded as we were singing that first song, you see, he took, he took it, that place, that, that penalty that was reserved for me. He was innocent, right? He didn't do anything wrong. Man. Confession. Say confession. confession. In verse 18. The son says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. It's crazy. We get a glimpse into the son's heart. He recognizes, man, I messed up. When I went away from home, I ran away and, and, and I told him, I was like, man, let me get that inheritance. I see you when I see you and I hope I never see you. Now look at him, right? <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes some of us need to hit rock bottom before we realize, right? Before we come to ourselves. But, man, God is so good. He is so good. He recognizes he messed up. He sinned against heaven first and then his father. So he makes a plan, right? He's going to. Confess these things to his dad. He's going to be like, dad, man, I messed up. I know I can't be a son anymore, but at least make me a servant. Like, you know, give me some bread, like something to eat. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll work for you. Like, I'm good. So we confess to God in our salvation moment, similar to what we see in the passage with the prodigal son. We hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. We recognize the need to repent and confess. 
We confess that we are lawbreakers. But what does that mean? That means that we recognize that we are born into sin and we have sinned willfully. We like it because it feels good. In doing so, we have broken God's law. That's what makes us lawbreakers. And the penalty of it is sin. That might seem really harsh, but you have to remember what authority it is that you're committing an offense against, right? So let's say you're riding around and your homeowner association says, hey, um, you got to cut your lawn. So they leave you a nice little nasty gram. I mean, a note. <laughs> a little polite note that says, hey, please cut your grass. Thank you. Have a nice day. What are they going to do if I don't cut my grass? I mean, they might do a lot. But anyway, but you get the picture. Now, let's say I go to Disney, and I decide that I really want something, but I got the money to pay for it, so I steal it. Or borrow permanently, whatever. Now, if I get caught, the penalty is pretty severe. I can't go back to Disney ever again my whole entire life. That's it's crazy like that. Let's say I go ahead and commit a capital offense, right? I've committed offense against a higher authority. That penalty is going to be pretty harsh, right? I don't think I'm going to get away with a little slap on the wrist. Those are all these type of authorities, right? Now, the creator of the universe, right? The one who kings bow the knee to. The one who is holy, who knows no sin. He is just separate. Like, there is no, we, we can't even fathom his holiness. Him. That is who we have offended. That is why the penalty is so severe. I mean, this is God Almighty. Sometimes I don't think that we quite like understand that, like how big God is, how holy he is, how separate he is. That's why the penalty is so severe. Eternal separation from God. However, don't you love howevers in the Bible? Because it's like doom and gloom, and then you get a however, and you're like, you're listening. However, Genesis 3, right? God promised that he would send someone that would crush sin and death. Hmm. The thing about sin is that it requires blood to be shed. In the Old Testament, we see animal sacrifices performed to make atonement for sin, to pay for it. These sacrifices, unfortunately, are not enough. In the New Testament, we see God's promise back in Genesis 3 fulfilled in his son, Jesus Christ. Christ put on flesh. He came and lived as a man among us. He lived a sinless, perfect life and died a criminal's death as payment once and for all for the sins of humanity. That includes you and me. His death, burial, and resurrection are what make it possible for us to have a relationship with God and love others. This is the gospel. 
This is the good news. I got one thank you, Lord, and one cough. I don't know. I don't know. It's not enough to know this, right? We can have the head knowledge. We can say, okay, I understand that, right? It's not enough to just know it. You have to believe it. If you believe the words I just said, repent and confess your sins. Ask God for forgiveness and confess Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. You will be saved. Amen. When we talk about confession at the moment of salvation, that's what we mean. You, that initial moment when you confess and you're like, God, I am a sinner in need of this, and that is you. I see that you've paid the debt, and I accept that, and I want to live for you now. I don't want to live for myself any longer. So you might say to yourself, that's all well and good. But when I first come to God, but what about those of us that are already believers? What about us? Is it necessary to confess sin, our sins to God and ask for forgiveness? I mean, isn't that like a lack of faith? Aren't I already forgiven? Sins, past, present, future? So the short answer is yes, you still need to. We don't repent and confess for salvation as a sinner who first who is first coming to Christ does, but in confession, we, the believers, verbalize that we have fallen short. We express that we have been convicted in our own error, whether it is thought and own our error, whether it is in thought, word, or deed. We've offended our creator, the supreme authority, not just that our sin, those that our sin has affected, but we've, we've offended God when we transgress. So this requires us to humble ourselves. How many of y'all love to be wrong? absolutely like, ah, I can't wait to be wrong. I love that. I love it for me, you know, just to humble myself and to tell somebody that, man, I messed up. Nobody. How many of y'all like to be right? Doesn't it feel good? I feel good when everybody else is wrong and you're right. Unless they beat you down for it, and then it doesn't feel so good. It's okay, though. Pain is weakness leaving the body, so I think it's all right. But it requires us to humble ourselves. So I pride myself in having a great sense of direction, except when I'm lost. Then I'm just driving, hoping and praying that in Jesus' name I see a sign that we're able to turn as my wife is like, do you need me to use the GPS? Would you, would you like me to go ahead and? I got it. I'm good. She's so lovingly. Babe, I know you got it. I know. I just want to go ahead and, you know, just make sure. That's it. We're just making sure so that we don't spend two hours driving in the wrong direction, <laughs> turning around and being late to service because I didn't want to humble myself and listen. That never happened, but (laughs) we'll go with that. So it's crazy because we admit what God already knows, right? God already knows he was wrong. He's not surprised. 
He's not like, oh, me. My son sinned. He messed up. I love it. In Psalm 51, 2 through 5, I love how David puts this. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. When we confess our sins to God, we accept that we have broken God's law and we own it. We don't deceive ourselves and tell ourselves that, hey, no, we're okay. I don't sin. I'm, I'm good. I, I do everything right. 1 John 1, 8 through 9 puts it like this. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Tough words. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You ever catch somebody doing something wrong, and then you circle back and ask them about it? Or like you know that they didn't do it, but then you ask them to see if they're going to go ahead and like come clean and be like, yeah, no, I didn't do that. Isn't it funny how some people say, uh, uh, I don't know what happens. They start to do this, these noises. So um, my children, I'm not going to say which one or when. You trust them, right? You have shown them the way to get ready in the morning, to get dressed, to, you know, brush their teeth, right? But you got to go ahead and check to make sure. Because they can't be going to school with stank breath. That's just, come on. We have to do better, okay? We have to be better. So, go to my child. Hey. Now, mind you, I've already checked the bathroom and seen if, like, the toothbrush is wet. Because it should be wet. Like, there should be evidence. And you're not, like, the cleanest one. So, I know that there should be some toothpaste, like, in the sink. Because you can't, you can't clean that up. So I ask, hey, can I ask you a question? Did you brush your teeth? Did you? Now I want to see if they're going to be honest with me and own it. That's all I want. I just want them to own it. And then I want you to go brush your teeth so that your breath doesn't stink. But this child of mine, who shall remain nameless, looks at me and says, mm-hmm. <laughs> I give him another chance. I hit him with the, are you sure? Mm-hmm. with as much love and care as I, as I can muster. I grab him by the arm and say, get over here, Pray for me, y'all. Pray for me. I do my best parenting through gritted teeth, right? 
get over here right now. So loving, so kind, just level of care. It's great. So amazing. It's crazy, though, because I started thinking about, like, how many sermons have I sat in? How many sermons have you sat through? Have you ever sat down to, like, do the math? Now I'm 44 years old. We, got, we, we started going to church when I was about seven. So that's what, 37 years? Is that, is that right? Okay, so it's 37. Let's say, you know, well, we were Pentecostal, so we should go to church, like, almost every day. But I was like, let's be conservative, right? Twice on Sunday. Twice on Sunday. Let me tell you, they, they wouldn't have let me preach like this. They would have been like... Go ahead and come in with the white shirt, the black slacks, the black shoes, the white, the, the black tie, and I better be shaved. Clean shaven. Clean, clean. So I started doing the math. You know, it's over 4,000 messages at least. 4,000. Then I started thinking about, like, man, how many times in those messages has the Holy Spirit called me to repentance? How many times have I answered with, uh, mm-hmm? He asked me again, and I answered with the same, mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you. When I started thinking about that, man, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. I started crying and everything. I'm like, God, how many times have you called me? Call me to repentance and be like, listen, stop doing this. Turn. Come back. Confess where you've fallen short. I am faithful and just to forgive you. What are you doing? It was embarrassing. I was legit embarrassed. I'm like, man, am I that hard-headed? Yes. Yes, we are. But it's great because you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I know. I just called you hard-headed and you, like, agreed. Now it's crazy. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is moving, brother. The Holy Spirit is moving. Man, how many times has the Holy Spirit called us to repentance and those calls have fallen on deaf ears? How long, how long, my brothers and sisters, will we fail to confess what the Holy Spirit is calling us to repent and confess? We ask God to move, right? We're like, God, move, move, but we're so unwilling to repent and confess that which is holding us back and bogging us down. God wants to take us to another place. But man, we're just so hard-headed. We're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're good right here. Let's just stay here. This morning was evidence of that. 
Because let me tell you, I felt the same way. I look, no, I'm going to confess, right? I was like, okay, what are we doing? What is happening right now? And man, I felt so humble when I was like, man, the spirit, I just felt the spirit of God saying, did you just like, that's when I was reminded of the story of when I used to go to my, my wife's house and we used to eat. Can you slow down? Can you savor what I'm doing right now? Can you do that? I started crying. I'm like, God, we pray and we ask you to move. When you call us to repentance, we're like, what are you doing? This is not what I had planned. No, it's, you know, it's two and a half songs and then we go into why? crazy because when we're unrepentant, it robs us of powerful, victorious living. God is not saying it because he wants to hear himself talk. God is saying it because he's calling you to repentance. He's calling you to confess the things that are holding you back. He wants to forgive you. It's crazy because we are satisfied with salvation when God has much more for us. Our salvation moment is not the end. It is the beginning. That's why as we progress, as we work out our salvation in fear and trembling, this is what we do. God brings things to the surface, and we repent and confess, and then we move on. But it's like, man, if you're not willing, then how many times do I got to go ahead and teach you the same lesson over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm like, man, God, you are so patient. I give my kids like two, two tries, and then I go ahead and mm, over here. James 5.16 says something super interesting. It says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Man, I barely want to confess to God. Just to be honest. I get convicted and I'm like, oh. it reminds me of a little kid that I know. Ooh, he does not like to be wrong. And when you ask him to apologize, it's like, hey, what are you sorry for? I'm sorry I didn't listen. <laughs> it's funny. But then I start thinking about me, and I'm like, I'm a grown man, and I, I do the same. I do the same. People come to me, and they say, Aldo, hey. Yeah, tighten up on that. Who are you to tell me that? Why are you all up in my life? Why are you so concerned about me? Crazy, right? Not confessing to one another because you want to keep it private. You want to, you, it's just between you and God. We get real spiritual, right? Between me and the Lord. Between me and the Lord. Okay. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Seriously. 
Christianity is not a solo sport. He didn't just call you, he called us. It's a we thing, okay? It's a we thing. And so when we confess our sins one to another, we can pray for one another. We're stronger together and we can share each other's burdens. You ever buy something from Target and it has like two people on it? The box. The box has like, it's, it says two people, right? Because what I learned that that symbol says, it means that this heavy, okay, it's tough to carry on your own. Now, it, if you're like Larry, yo. <laughs> then maybe, you know, you can do it by yourself. And I'll be like, man, you. when I grow up, I'm going to be just like you, man. Like, I want to be strong, you know. But it's not meant to be carried alone. It's heavy. You're going to struggle. Then you're going to look dumb struggling. Because everybody is looking at you like, bruh, what are you doing? You ain't supposed to carry that by yourself. But how many, how many struggles do we like to go ahead and carry on our own? Right? We're like, no, 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 I got it. No, 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 I'm good. It's like, bro, you're not. Everybody else can see you're not good. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Ask for help. That's what we're here for. You ain't got to struggle by yourself. There's a whole bunch of strugglers with you. <laughs> oh, man. Yesterday, we shared such an amazing time in our leaders' fellowship. And what's great about that is we go ahead and get together, and we get to share, like, what's going on. And it's funny because Bishop was like, don't give me no standard answers, okay? I don't want to pray about this one, that one, or the other one. No, what's going on with you? And so I'm like, man, that is, that's good. And so as we went around sharing, you know, I realized, I'm like, man, the struggles that my brothers are dealing with are very similar to my own struggles. Then you feel like, man, I'm not alone. The enemy will have you think that it's just you. Nobody understands. Which, when you say it out loud, that's ridiculous. You know how many people are on this planet? A bunch. Like, the likelihood of you being the only one to be struggling with this, I'm just saying. Like, I'm not very smart, and I don't deal with numbers too much, but it's probably slim to none that you're the only one struggling. Let your brothers and sisters in. Share your struggles. Be humble. My last point. Forgiveness. Say it with me. Forgiveness. Verse 20. I love this. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, he was just a little dot on the horizon. But that's crazy, right? Because, like, sometimes I, I, I see my wife, like, far away, and she's, she's just walking. But I know her, and I know her walk, right? So even though she's far away, I might not have my glasses on. I'm like, that's my wife. That's her. 
for my kids, they walk a certain way they, where they like jump, run, walk and a certain way. And I'm like, my son, I know. His father saw him while he was a great way off and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That is a father's love. Because let me tell you, that guy was so stank. I, listen, he had been walking, and before that, he had been working with the pigs, and ooh, 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 fell on his neck. That neck was probably stank. And he kissed him. I'm like, that's love. That's love. It's crazy because the father didn't wait for him to be all cleaned up and stuff and then hug him and kiss him, right? He's like, oh, look at me. I love you. I love you. Do you remember when you first received forgiveness? Do you remember that moment? I remember that moment. I remember I had gone through a terrible breakup. Now, I started going to church at 7, but I didn't really get saved, saved until like I was 17, right? Like, I didn't put my faith and trust in, and trust in Jesus Christ until I was about 17. And then I was like, man, gone through this breakup. My heart was crushed. I was like, this is terrible. I felt horrible. I felt rejected. I felt like this big. It was, it was depressing. It was pretty bad. Then I heard a message. I can't even tell you what the message was about. All I know is that I needed Jesus. I needed him to come and intervene. I needed him to forgive me because I knew that I was living foul. I knew that I was doing wrong, and I needed forgiveness. In that very moment when I asked, man, I felt the Lord and his forgiveness. I felt squeaky clean. So I was like, man, I felt like a burden had been lifted from me. I'm like, wow. This is amazing. Forgiveness is awesome like that, right? Like when you're forgiven, it's like, man. So after we have repented of and confessed our sin, we then ask for forgiveness. What's awesome about this is that Christ's work is a finished work. You hear that? Christ's work is a finished work. That means that there's no and to it. I said that means that there is no and to it. You don't have to do something extra to earn the forgiveness. It is done. It is finished. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Stop trying. He forgives completely. But at times we can feel like we have to do something additional to be forgiven. We feel so sorry for what we've done that we feel like we have to do something to be forgiven. Now, that might be the way that human relationships work, right? Because when you wrong somebody, they might say, okay, well, I forgive you if you do this or that. Then I'll forgive you. I forgive you if you, you know, buy me flowers and chocolates and like, you know, Write a nice little note saying how sorry you are. And, or buy me a car. <laughs> Take me on a trip. Do something to show how 
sorry you are. You do some grand act, right, to show like, man, he, wow, that guy's really sorry. And it's all in hopes that it'll be enough to earn forgiveness from the person that you've offended. So this is the kind of the, the idea of, of penance that I forgot. This is kind of the idea of penance. It's punishment carried out that will earn me forgiveness. The word penance le- lends uh, to the idea that there needs to be some action uh, in order to obtain forgiveness from God. So when I was reading about penance, I learned that the idea got like way out of hand to the point where people were like paying before they even like sinned. <laughs> they were like, I'm going to prepay for my forgiveness. <laughs> like y'all take prepayment, right? And not just, you know, it's crazy, right? Like to think about that is, is nuts. But how many times have we prepaid? How many times have we said, you know what? I'm going to commit this sin because I know that forgiveness is secured. Am I the only one? Am I alone on that? Okay, maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe it's just me. When that is the mindset, we trample on Christ's sacrifice. We treat the holy and precious blood of Christ as common. And there's no repentance, no contrition. This is what we're saying. That's not the heart. That's not the heart. God's forgiveness doesn't work like worldly forgiveness. As we read in 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So there's no concession made for penance. There is nothing we can do to earn that forgiveness. It's a matter of the heart, right? Repentance is a matter of the heart. When, you're, when you truly realize, man, I've been doing wrong, and then you confess and ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive you. There is nothing else that you have to do in order to earn that forgiveness. That is an amazing, amazing truth, my brothers and my sisters. And it's a matter of the heart. Faithful, just. Christ on the cross said, it is finished. That means that the debt of sin is paid in full. No extra credit needed. You're good. So when we truly turn, we bear fruits worthy of repentance. So I'm lo- I was looking at this, uh, this passage in Matthew 3, verses 1 through 8, and this is where John the Baptist is out baptizing people, and then all of a sudden the religious leaders come, and they, they come and check it out. And John gets, gives them this amazing greeting. He calls them a brood of vipers. So welcoming, like really like just seeker sensitive. Um, and he asks them, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Crazy, right? Yeah, he, so the passage goes on to communicate the heart of the religious leaders. They were depending on their heritage. They were depending on um, the fact that we have Abraham as our father. Like, we're in here. Like, we forgiveness guaranteed. Like, you know, we don't, we don't need to repent. We, we, like, we're good. We're good to go with that. But he admonishes them. He says, 
bear fruits worthy of repentance. So although we don't have to do anything to earn forgiveness, the fruits of repentance should flow from the forgiveness we receive from Christ. Amen? Amen. Come on and bow your heads with me. So if you're an unbeliever here today, someone who is not walking with the Lord, I want you to know that Christ's work is a finished work. It's enough to forgive you of your sins, no matter how bad those sins are. If you repent of your sin and turn to Christ, he can forgive you, and you can be made new. That's a promise. For those of you that are part of the body of Christ already, man, is there something that the Holy Spirit has been convicting you of? Is there something that you're like, man, I, God has been speaking to me on this and calling me to repentance in this area, and I have just been so hard-hearted, hard-headed, I don't want to. Is there an area in your life He's calling you to repentance. I invite you today, this morning, to confess it, recognize it, confess it, ask for forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You got to be willing to humble yourself this morning. Don't leave here the same. Don't let it just be another Sunday where you heard another message and add it to the 4,000th and something message that you've heard and walked away from. Don't do that. Father, we come before you, dear God. We humble ourselves. I humble myself. God, I know that you've been calling me to repentance for just the anger that I have inside me that at times gets the best of me and I I take it out on my family because they're easy targets. I'm ashamed, dear God. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to live like that anymore. I repent and I confess that that's what I've been doing. I ask that you would forgive me, dear God, that you would cleanse me once again. Father, that your your love would flow through me into not just my family, but others, dear God. That I would practice patience, that I would practice long-suffering, dear God. That I would not be quick temper, 